How about the fact that monosyllabic has so many syllables? That ain't right. Bartles and James. But the look on Big Bird's face, his eyes could not be any bigger. (laughs) Always the proper thing to do, Emily Post, is to give them both. So give me your thoughts on Romulus and Remus. I love fluffernutters. Yeah, look, anyone who's listened to any of our podcasts know that a fact checker could, that we could employ a fact checker. (laughs) The double helix is the famous pair. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Smart Drivel. I'm John Ellenthal, and I'm joined by my co-host. This is Kurt Schneider, John. And uh, if you've listened to our last few podcasts, you probably noticed that Kurt does the intro with a burst of all sorts of energy, throwing out a series of nonsensical polysyllabic words that kind of rhyme but don't really, that we thought we would try something different today. That was it. Kurt, what's our topic for today? That was a great intro, John. I'm on the edge of my seat. Thank you for I that. I got the polysyllabic part right, but I didn't quite have the rhyme thing going. And polysyllabic is a polysyllabic word in and of itself, which is kind of funny. Now, isn't it funny that the word monosyllabic... Well, how about the fact that monosyllabic has so many syllables? That ain't right. Well, how about the fact that you were joking with me the other day and you told me, you asked me, why does sour cream have an expiration date? I mean, there, there are all these questions out there that we don't know the answers to. Yeah, but let's talk so. about today. Okay, let's talk about today. So today, John, let us delve into the wonderful labyrinth of the topic, famous pairs. And wow, no, like, no, I know no. one, Kurt and John. <laughs> Excellent. I thought you were going to say Bartlett or Comis or whatever it is. We're not talking about P-E-A-R. Oh, do you remember Bartlett and James? They were like wine coolers were the most popular thing for like 10 minutes of time in the 80s. Bartles and, those, and James. Bartles and James. Remember those guys that said they're two old guys in rocking chairs on yep. the porch of their house talking about uh, wine coolers? By the way, there's another one. Ernest and Julio Gallo. You know what? I think we're going to have a lot of famous <laughs> pairs to talk about. <laughs> so is there John, a famous pair? Go ahead. You can talk about it, which is interesting. You can talk about pairs from history or from legend, from entertainment, from all over the place. So you have one you want to start with? Did you watch The Odd Couple, Kurt? Of course I did. What a great one. I hadn't even thought about that based on Neil Simon's play. By uh, the same name. And the movie had Walter Matthau in it in the, in the uh, Jack Clubman and- role. And was it Tony Randall playing Felix yes, in the movie as I well? I believe so. I think he carried over. Do, 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 do. <laughs> anyway, that was, a, that was a great show. You know, it's interesting. You know, they, the beauty of that, obviously, is taking two polar opposites and then trying to see where the common ground is and where the common humor is, much like Bert and Ernie. Uh, so um, when we were thinking about famous pairs, Bert and Ernie did jump to mind. And um, I have a cutout cartoon that has been photocopied so many times it's barely legible that is a picture of Bert and Ernie in their living room and Big Bird is looking through their window from the outside with a shocked look on his face because Bert and Ernie are doing things that you didn't expect Bert and Ernie to be doing. Well, there has long been a few rumors about them. Yes, and that's why that's what this photo was all about. But the look on Big Bird's face, his eyes could not be any bigger. (laughs) Well, you also had those rumors about another famous TV pair, Batman and Robin. Oh, there were rumors like that? 
well, we I know. mean, if that were the case, I don't have any, obviously there's no issue with that, but you know, I think if you drive a really cool car and you wear skin tight, you know, uniforms, then, you know, pretty much you have, <laughs> you have the necessary preconditions, but there's no question that Batman and Robin are one of the all-time great pairs. Now, you mentioned that Felix and Oscar are opposites, and that creates conflict and humor. But there are a bunch of pairs out there that are totally complementary and don't have any of the downsides. For me, chocolate and peanut butter. So the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, and you remember those great commercials, just to go back into commercials again, where two people, one eating peanut butter and one eating chocolate, would somehow collide around a corner. Absolutely. And their peanut butter... I mean, that was great. You got peanut that, butter on my chocolate. You got you chocolate. got chocolate on my peanut butter. But that is an all time great pair where, in my view, at least, that there there is not a conflict. They're just perfectly complementary and they create something together that could not be created without both parts. All right. I was going to say peanut butter and jelly, but I like your peanut butter and chocolate. Peanut butter and jelly is also a classic. Listeners might remember from an earlier episode when we discussed the joys of sandwiches that because I needed to make my own lunch uh, going to school, which is not a real hardship, but because of my limited skills in the kitchen, I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I made myself pretty much every day from the second grade through my junior year of high school. So PB&J is a classic part. It's actually part of my identity, I think, at this point. Do you still eat them or were you sick of them? Much more. um, I never got sick of them, but I eat them still, albeit a lot, uh, certainly a lot, a lot less frequently than I used to. So let's go back. How about literature? Well, can we I, know just say, I just want to say one thing on food. Because yes, please. I, one that obviously works is salt and pepper. Now, do you? Yes, yeah, salt and pepper are, they do work together. Well, they're though. a duet, right? And you always are told to salt and pepper things. You're always told as a kid for good manners. If someone says, please pass the salt, you pass them both the salt and pepper together. I did not know that. Yes. If you're asked to pass the salt implied in that request is that you pass both the salt and pepper? Yep. Just like if someone asks for the pepper, you give them the salt as well. Always the proper thing to do, Emily Post, is to give them both. Okay. So let me ask you about your experiences with Emily Post. (laughs) Did you just pick that up along the way? Have you read a book by Emily Post? Have you taken a finishing class by Emily Post? Uh, How is it that you know that that's Emily Post? You know, I don't know. I just assume it is. And someone told me that along the way. I did take uh, ballroom dancing when I was probably fifth, sixth, seventh grade, eighth grade. Right. That was that was tough. That was sort of a finishing class. They didn't talk to us about salt and pepper there. By the way, Here's what's very funny. I just thought of this. You're talking about salt and pepper as a famous pair. But then you think of, of course, the hip hop duet, salt and pepper. But guess what? Not a pair. There were three of them. No, that's not right. They had, uh, they had salt and they had pepper. And then they had DJ, uh, DJ Finderella. Maybe the third guy was yeah. just the un. The third female was. The no, un. She was not. Mm, she was DJ Spinderella or something like that. Spinderella or something like that. Yes. But by the way, you have right, good in plenty, Mike and Ike. But let's get off of food. I'm with you. Okay. Hang on a second. There's a grape version of Mike and Ike. What was that called? I, I think it was no just, idea. just grape. How about M and M? Oh, yes, of course. Do you know, we talked about this in the previous podcast, where they came from, why they were invented? M&M's? Uh, you did tell me, but one of the great things about uh, talking to me <laughs> is that I forgot. I forget a lot. So you can tell me the same story over and over. And um, <laughs> I'm like an amnesia, uh, amnesiatic. What, what, what is someone who has amnesia called? Amnesia, maybe. 
No, no, but that's that's a that's a descriptive word. Is there a noun for someone who has amnesia, like an amnesiaite? Well, they knew it, but then they forgot it, so they couldn't tell you. Okay. <laughs> so, so tell the story again, because there's an excellent chance I will be experiencing it all over again for the first time. World War II, we're fighting in Africa, and the government needed something to put in the rations that would give them sugar that they needed without melting. And so in the brutal African sun, so they came up with the hard candy shell of M&Ms, and that's why they melt in your mouth, not in your hands. Was that a very difficult engineering challenge in the, <laughs> uh, in the industrial kitchen? Apparently it was. It does sound like a pretty hard thing to pull off. I bet you they used a Bunsen burner when they were figuring that out. <laughs> is this one burning enough? Damn. Okay. Nope. Spinach is not a good wrap for it. That doesn't work. I don't sense you were much of a science guy that you didn't spend a lot of time with beakers and Bunsen burners in school, did right. you? So, so give me, give me yeah. a famous pair from history. All right. I've got one for you. And this is the pairing that has been a pairing for well over 200 years but only recently has returned to the public consciousness uh, because yes. of the wonderful play Hamilton, which I yes. was fortunate enough to see in its first month of production because my wife, Suzanne, is on top of those kinds of things. But not knowing it was going to be a great experience, truly a sublime experience, I basically complained all day in the city until we went to the play. And I groaned when I saw it was a three-hour runtime and that it was hip-hop. And I'm trying to think, how do I get out of this? How do they get out of this? And then, of course, I go on to have an experience like everybody else that was an 11 on a scale of 1 to 10. Shows you what an idiot I am. In any event, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. That is, uh, that is a pair from history. And I love the closing, the closing song when Aaron Burr is singing, uh, Now I am the villain in your story. That is a famous pair from history. Forever linked. I think that's a great one. Great Thank one. you, Kurt. Well, I did not think of that one, and they are forever linked, and so they don't have to be on the same side of the line or the or the equation to be a famous pair. So that's like, what about uh, Samson and Delilah? Yes. What about Samson and Delilah? All I remember is that Delilah cut Samson's hair, and he lost all of his power, and that's why my Correct. hair goes down to my lower back. Yes, that's of course, one of the benefits of a podcast. Power. No one can see that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite go. In fact, it never went down to my lower back because I have the kind of hair that when it got longer, it just got thicker and fuller, but never actually apparently longer. Can we get back to Samson and oh, Delilah? Is that not part of the Pointer Singer song or Bruce Springsteen Fire? Yes, it's in Samson Fire. Samson and Delilah, right? And what's the next yeah. line? Samson and Delilah? I don't remember the next line, but it's definitely, um, is, I think Bruce wrote it, right? Fire, but the Point of Sisters recorded it first. I think so. What a great song. By the way, another pair that's also in a song. It's like thunder, lightning. The way I love you is frightening. Thunder and lightning. That's a famous Thunder pair. and lightning. And since you mentioned Bruce, and look, Bruce for to me is... A transcendent figure. Um, I know he's a bit controversial and some people love him and some people hate him. But to me, he is an American poet for, you know, at least for our lifetimes. And uh, it's hard to think of Bruce without also thinking of Clarence Clemens. So Bruce and Clarence are a pair that uh, is indelibly carved into my brain. You ever seen Bruce in concert? I have not. Uh, that suggests that you've never wanted to see Bruce's concert. <laughs> well, I, apparently he sings forever. 
And yeah, he does incredibly long shows. He's yeah. 70 years old now, believe it or not. Wow. And he, uh, he still does three plus hour shows. And in addition to being a great performer, he tells great stories. So I, I hope he has, you get the chance, Kurt. I think he has, in my humble opinion, one of the perfect albums, meaning not a best of, but an album that's put out where every song is great. Like everyone, I think agrees, and I agree that Fleetwood Mac Rumors is that oh, album. That is, yes, but Born to Run, I think, is one of those by far. Tramps like us, baby, we were born to run. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think I think Born to Run and Thunder Road are in my personal top ten of the best American songs of all time. So, give me your thoughts on Romulus and Remus as a famous pair. I will in a minute. But our discussion about peanut butter and jelly and chocolate and peanut butter made me think of something else that I'm very eager to share. I guess you can't be very eager, can you? Sure. You're just eager to share. Eagerer. Yeah, like thickerer. Like, yeah. remember Chunky? Yeah. Thickerer. Thickerer. And that actually fits to my chocolate comment. But have you ever had a peanut butter and fluff sandwich, a fluffer nutter? Multiple. I love fluffer nutters. I was at the office about, I don't know, 15 years ago, and somehow Fluffernutters came up in conversation, um, no doubt, because I love Fluffernutters. And there were people there that looked at me like, what are you talking about? Oh my I, I left the office, went to the closest supermarket, bought a loaf of bread, I bought peanut butter, I bought fluff, I bought a cutting board, and I made probably 25 Fluffernutters, passed them around, and, and introduced the Fluffernutter to generations of people. Right, which is, an, which is an institution for our generation, even though there's not one natural ingredient in all of the fluff. But boy, Marshmallow spread. There's a <laughs> fine idea. All right, so tell me about Remus and Romulus. Well, I was saying, I mean, that's a hell of a pair, right? I mean, they, they founded Rome in what? 573 BC, 753 BC. I don't know, one of those two. Uh, they were two brothers that were cast aside by their mean uncle and uh like a lot of legends traveled down the river till someone found them and a little goat herder or someone like that took oh no first a she-wolf took them in and suckled the two young lads they were twins and then a shepherd brought them in until when they were older, they were having such amazing feats of heroicism throughout the country that, of course, they couldn't have been peasant children. They had to be of noble birth. And so they were, and they went on to found Rome. But the problem was, at the very end, they had a little issue, even though they always got along. What would the city be named after? Which one of them? And they got a little bit of an argument. And believe it or not, Romulus Romulus. (laughs) killed his brother. And therefore, we have Rome. Okay, so do you watch the um, the show? I don't know if it's a Showtime show, an HBO show, or a Netflix show, because who knows anymore? Do you watch Succession? Uh, I have seen it. Yes, it's an HBO show. Okay, it's a fabulous show, um, loosely or perhaps not so loosely based on the Murdoch family. Yes. Um, and I believe one of the sons' name is Romulus. Oh, well, Romulus. there you go. There you go. And, and now I'm having serious um, self-doubt about whether one of the kids' names is Romulus. I believe you mentioned the labyrinth. Did you not in your opening comments? I did. The Minotaur. That, that, um, let's put the Minotaur aside for a moment. Let's talk about Icarus and Daedalus. I think Daedalus was the creator of the labyrinth. No. But I think he was. 
Huh. Okay. Keep going. In any event, you know the story of Icarus and Daedalus? Yeah, but I didn't realize he also did the labyrinth. Okay, so I'm with you. I, I, I believe I, I that's know the, the case. story of the two of them, which you're about to tell us. Yeah, look, anyone who's listened to any of our podcasts know that a fact checker could, that we could employ a fact checker, <laughs> you know, for weeks on end per episode. Because <laughs> that's what makes it while, fun, John. While we get things approximately right, it's incredible how infrequently we get them exactly right. In any event, so Icarus. And his father, the father was Daedalus. They wanted to escape Crete. And the father constructed wings made of uh, feathers and wax. And they took off and they were flying through the sky. And at some point, Icarus ignored his father's instructions not to fly too close to the sun. He flew too close to the sun. And unfortunately, the heat from the sun melted the wax in his wing and he fell out of the sky and into the sea where he drowned. So, Kurt, do not fly too close to the sun. Yep, I love that. That is great. I didn't realize he did the labyrinth. So, I thank you for sharing that with me. I think that's well. Great. Again, I just want to point out that I think he did. And when we employ a team of fact checkers, we'll actually have an answer on this one. So, John, I'm pretty sure you were an English major like me, and I'm sure at some point you were. If, asked, if that were the case, you would have said you were an English major like I. <laughs> I was. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, Kurt, you're in ancient Rome, is just founded. What kind of job do you think you would have had? Well, uh, thankfully, you're not a slave. Hopefully, you're, you're in one. Well, if it's just founded, uh, we don't have the Roman society as we know it now. So I'd like to be a senator, but we didn't, they didn't have senators back then. So I guess I'm probably someone who was on top of one of the hills and was a shepherd. I could see you with a flock. Yeah. And, a, and one of those one of those staffs with a with a hook in it. Right. Yeah. What are those things called? Uh, those are called staffs. OK, <laughs> with a hook <laughs> in it. So I loved. Myth- yes. Yes. I was an English major and I loved Greek mythology and Roman mythology, but I love that kind of stuff. And the Iliad and the Odyssey are a pair for me. I actually remember reading the Odyssey the first time. I think I was fairly young, maybe junior high school. And I was in the habit of taking a bath late in the afternoon uh, after school. And occasionally I would read. A bath, John? Yeah, I don't know why. I like that. <laughs> okay. I take. There's some interesting. Is that, too, is that too personal? No, just the visual is kind of funny to me right now. But okay. Uh, in the visual, I prefer you think of me underneath a bunch of bubbles. Yes. I think that's better for both of us. In any event. Although perhaps when Bernie was, t- when Bert and Ernie were going, t- okay. Keep going. Okay. I actually said Bernie, which I guess is a contraction for Bert and Ernie. In any event, I'm reading the Odyssey. Odysseus is out there fighting his way home from the Trojan War, yeah. trying to get back to Penelope and Telemachus in Ithaca. And I dropped the book in the bathtub, uh, making it very difficult to read from that point forward. But I do know later that he made it all the way home to Ithaca. And that was a happy time. Yeah, it was a long way of getting back there. But you're right. He did make it past the Cyclops and everyone else. All right. So if we're going way back, what about Adam and Eve? They are the original pair, are they not? I, I guess that they have to be. Yeah. And like Adam a lot and, of yeah. original pairs, someone tries to come in between them. In this case, a serpent, right? Yes. There was also a serpent in, um, in Jungle Book. Yes. What if that has, what if that's, what if that's a biblical reference? Uh, Sometimes a snake is just a snake, Kurt. I don't know. It is, I had a 10th grade English teacher that taught us all about sibilance. 
sibilance and you see sibilance whenever anyone, especially in Shakespeare, when he's trying to do something of evil and there's a lot of sibilance in there. And that comes from the, the, the sound that the snake makes, which is the original villain. Can you tell me what sibilance is? Sibilance, what I just said? Yeah. Yeah. It's the, Give me a definition of sibilance. It is. Re, it's, it's repeated S sounds in writing. So okay. I sewed the sock onto the saucer. Does every letter in the alphabet have their, its own word for when it's used repeatedly in a sentence? No, because they don't all sound like an evil snake hissing. That's the idea. Oh, so sibilance is snake-specific. Yes. Oh, all right. Well, I learned a new word today. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. You know what, Kurt? Who said what famous pair is referred to by I'm a little bit country and you're a little bit rock and roll? Uh, Donnie Marie? Yes. (laughs) For 10 points. Thank you. Yeah, you get 10 points. Is that for Slytherin or I don't know the Harry Potter stuff uh, all that well? Did you read all the Harry Potter books and watch I, the movies? I did. I did. Wow. I, I loved them. By the way, you talk about sibilance. No, you were. And you talk about how these things make words come to them. What about another pair, Sodom and Gomorrah? Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that is quite the pair. Yeah. Um, and it, was it Sodom and Gomorrah's uh, collective misbehavior that was the final straw before there was a biblical flood? Yes. Noah built it. All right. There you go. They were, well, they were, I know they were felled by fire and brimstorm, two of the towns. I know there was other towns too, not just Sodom and Gomorrah, but apparently all the people in Sodom and Gomorrah were completely heinously flouting the rules of the day and running amok in a very much of a hedonistic way. That was a bunch of good words. (laughs) I always like the word hedonistic and, um, so I like that word. I'm going to try to well, use that the word tomorrow. Root of it, and the root of it is actually it's it's become a negative word because of hedonism. Yes. And, and, but it actually yeah, overindulgence, has, selfishness. Yes. But the root of it has the word in, in happiness. So it actually started off like a, as a good word. This is right. a this is a, a topic we could go on and on. But we have I think we're out of time, John. Uh, without mentioning Ben and Jerry's, we, we're out oh. of time. Oh, that Lucy is- and Ethel. <laughs> How about pen and paper, Kurt? Among yeah. our favorite things. Jeez. How about gin and tonic if you're talking about our favorite things? Yeah. And then um, I got you, babe. Sonny and Cher. Yes. All right. So it sounds Tom like we're Jerry. at Tom and Jerry and yeah. Ben and Jerry. The three of them just could have gotten together. Jerry and was busy. Watson and Crick to get. Oh, um, I thought of that one, before. too. That's yeah. a great one. And plus the double helix is yes. a famous pair. Not to be confused with Watson and Holmes, of course. So Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet, the the Scooby and Shaggy of their day. <laughs> wow, right. we could go on forever. All right. So listen, um, uh, thank you, Kurt, uh, for teaching me sibilance and for this conversation. And thank you to our listeners. I hope you enjoyed it. John, I learned a lot. And so I thank you. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about who really built the labyrinth. And I seriously hope I was right. (laughs) I'll check the Google. Check the Google. Okay, listen, everybody, thank you for joining us. We will see you uh, soon um, on an upcoming episode of Smart Drivel. I'm John Ellenthal. And I'm Kurt Schneider. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.